Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We have a lot of show that is coming up for you today, folks. It is a jam-packed show. You're going to have the opportunity to watch and listen starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll be able to watch on Facebook dot com backslash wake up call or pardon me facebook.com backslash live now dt that's facebook.com backslash live now dt you'll have an opportunity to listen in and watch the show and then here on mixlr.com backslash wake up call dt you'll have the opportunity to continue to listen in so i thank you all for being a part of the show so much coming up here on wake up call with dan satora and a uh, very honored for this moment, and uh, one of the beautiful moments of, of this show and this morning is uh, Herm Frazier. Herm Frazier is somebody who is no stranger to the broadcast. I have the opportunity of seeing him pretty much every week in season, and he is the Syracuse University Senior Deputy Athletics Director, and it's always an honor and a privilege of mine to have him on the show, and we will, without further ado, bring him on. Herm, how you doing today? Good, Dan. I, I guess you were trying to call me, and I just walked out of a meeting, and I'm sitting here in front of my computer, and I, I looked down and I saw your name. <laughs> yeah, so uh, have you here on the show and, and, and have the opportunity to speak with you. Herm, you know, Syracuse, uh, there's a lot to get into today. Uh, the first thing is something that Katie Kalinske had brought up, who's now over at Buffalo and spent seven years under Jim Beheim. And she said, isn't it an amazing thing? And who would have thought that Syracuse football, Syracuse men's basketball, and Syracuse women's basketball would all be ranked nationally at the top in the top 25 at the same time? So let's start there. Since you, you know, work with every program and, and you're overseeing, you know, helping to oversee that, this athletics department, just what it means to you to know that all three of those sports are ranked in the top 25 at the same time. Well, first of all, I think uh, those people who have lived here in Syracuse for so many years, they have to be thrilled uh, who have followed the team to see that all three of those marquee sports are doing so well. And it's also nice to hear something from somebody like Katie, who also went through the program and had the opportunity to work with uh, Coach Beheim and his staff, and she's now up in Buffalo. Uh, honing in on trying to uh, continue her professional career. But you're right. I mean, when I saw that the football team had not been ranked so high in 17 years, it was kind of hard to believe because, as you know, my background, I spent a lot of time on the board of directors of the Fiesta Bowl and Syracuse University for many years under Coach P whenever they would come back for either the Fiesta Bowl or the Insight.com Bowl, both of which were under our umbrella, uh, we were always so thrilled to have them. And you couple that with, with basketball, and I think people expect our men's basketball program to always be in the, uh, in the top 25. But I think more importantly now, with Coach Q and the women's program, what, what he's been able to do and few years ago going all the way to the championship game and now you add coach Babers and the football program in that same conversation and I think a lot of people over here are pretty happy. 
Speaking here with Herm Frazier of Syracuse University this morning, a Senior Deputy Athletics Director. Herm, for those that don't know, that title, Senior Deputy Athletics Director, what does it mean? What is the day-to-day? What are, what are you responsible for for those that want to learn a little bit more about that position and, and what's called upon, what you're called upon to do each week? Well, it, it, the job description may say one thing, Dan, but at the end of the day, I'm probably involved in almost every single aspect of our program. There's certain sports that report to me, i.e. Um, the women's softball program, the women's soccer program, the women's volleyball program, the uh, cheer and dance program, the men's rowing program, as well as um, our strength and conditioning area and our sports medicine area. But then I'm also the uh, the backup administrator for football and also men's basketball. And last year, for instance, I traveled everywhere with football, which which we all do. And then last year, I also accompanied the basketball team on all their away games minus one. And then when postseason kicks in, my office handles all the the postseason aspects of everything that's involved. So uh, when we went to um, Dayton to play my alma mater, Arizona State, we stayed on the road and we went to uh, Detroit and then we came home and then we went back out to Omaha. All those uh, trips are coordinated through my office. This year, obviously, with, with us already being bold eligible, um, all those aspects will be coordinated from my office, as a matter of fact, on uh, November the 11th, I actually have a flight to go down in a meeting in Charlotte to start preparing and meeting with all the, the bowl partners that the ACC has. And then I'll leave there and go straight directly to New York and get prepared for what we're calling Q's in the city. And we have to uh, be involved with the women's basketball game in Westchester followed by the two men's basketball games at Madison Square Garden, and then with the uh, cherry on the top of the cake, the football program and the game against Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium on that Saturday. So the title might be somewhat long, but I think it uh, it matches up with, with all the things that, that I'm involved with, which would also include anything with uh, coaches' searches, Anything that relates to human resources, um, general counsel's office, you name it, we probably got to have our hands in the pot. Speaking here with with Herm Frazier, Senior Deputy Athletics Director of Syracuse University. Uh, Herm, you, you brought up now that the team is bowl eligible for you know for football at six and two that there is this opportunity now to to kind of hear out the bowls and, and that'll be coming up for you in the not-too-distant future here in November, as you were talking about. Just what is that like, you know, going through that? Obviously, you know, you you have some games to play. You're going to be playing through November all the way up into the game at BC. So there's a, there's a lot more to be had. There's games left out there to see if Syracuse will take those or fall and, and where that puts them in the grand scheme of things. But what is that, that bowl conversation 
like in that experience like because I know that you've worked with bulls before I know you've worked with some pretty substantial bulls nationally so just what the experience is going to be like now to sit in a room and you know to essentially be talking to these bull representatives about why they should have Syracuse and and just kind of how that gets worked out in the sense of, you know, opportunities and whatnot. Cause I know that fans are excited obviously about the bowl. And now there's that background of you trying to see where the best fit is and, and the best opportunities are. Yeah. Well, the one thing Dan is the more games you want and the more games you win, the more attractive you are to uh, the bowl games. And the other thing, uh, bowl games, always like to have teams that are uh, ranked in the top 25. So therefore, um, there's one thing to be bold eligible, but there's another step you take when you can win seven, eight, or nine, or 10, uh, because you become uh, more marketable and more exciting for the Bulls to, uh, to extend an invitation to you. And then there's always the fit as well. Um, when you the better you get and the bigger the bowl, um, the more tickets you have to purchase and and be involved. And so the one thing that you always have to be fearful of is you get yourself in one of these big bowls, and if you only sell a 1,000 or 2,000 tickets and the ticket commitment is somewhere between 10,000 and 12,000, then that's not good. And so therefore, you got to make sure that everything's going to match up. And we don't want this to be a, a one-time exposure or a one-time opportunity to participate. We want this to be year in and year out, like so many other schools. I mean, you, you take a, a Clemson in Alabama, um, some of the other schools, and they know right from the beginning that when your program is uh, successful that you're going to be in a different bowl even before you kick off the season. And, and hopefully Syracuse University and our football program can get back to that. And so our deal is to be able to go there and show the bowl people and the, and the volunteers that the bowls have on, on their particular staff representing them that we're going to come, uh, we're going to be exciting, uh, we're going to sell tickets, and we want to be a part of this bowl situation on a, a year-to-year basis. And, and, and obviously a good problem to have first time in a, in a while, you know, since 2013 that Syracuse is eligible for a bowl. And not only that, but to be ranked in all three polls right now, a 19 in the college football playoff poll, the first one that came out, 22 in the AP, 24 in the coaches poll. To be, to be in both the AP and the coaches poll, that hasn't happened in 17 years and, you know, on top of that, the, the beating a ranked team, so many different things that this year's team has to be happy about, and that connects to Dino Babers. Well, you and Floyd Little, and Floyd was on the show a little bit earlier this week, you were both in the room with Dino Babers. And as Floyd said, it came down to DJ Durkin and Scott Frost and, and, and Dino, and we see what's happened with DJ and some of the decisions he has made. We see with Scott Frost that, you know, UCF was a stepping stone back to Nebraska, and Floyd had stated that he felt that way about Scott Frost with Syracuse, that it was just a, a way to kind of use to get to Nebraska. So Dino, you know, obviously the best fit. Floyd said he felt different, 
bring me into that room because I, I've heard what Floyd's had to say about it and about Durkin and about Frost and, and the process. What can you say about it, hindsight 2020, of, of being on the committee and being in that room and, and meeting with Dino Babers and just why he felt right to you? So I'm going to get after Floyd, Dan, because uh, Floyd was sworn to secrecy not to say who was in the room. <laughs> but that, that's my buddy Floyd. I love him. He is, uh, he is unbelievable, and he really represents this university well. And as you know, him and I have become the best of friends over the years. And, you know, yeah, there were a lot of people in the room. There was uh, Mark Coyle at the time. There was uh, John Cunningham. There was uh, Chancellor Severud, Floyd Little, and yours truly. And so, you know, we, again, I will protect some of the other people. But, you know, we marched five to six people through the rooms uh, within a, uh, a three-day period. You know, we, we met with papers early. Then we met with some other people here in Syracuse on the um, on the Saturday and the Sunday right after Thanksgiving, which was also right right during um, our last football game that year as well. But the the pace was rapid. It was fast. It was complete. Uh, we were flying people in here, and somebody may arrive at twelve o'clock and be interviewed from from 1.30 until 4, and then the next thing you know, somebody else was flying in, not seeing who the other guy was or the other candidate, and coming into the room at 8 o'clock and would go to 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, we even, uh, I mean, in that same evening, we also uh, interviewed somebody the morning of the, the game on that particular Saturday as well. I mean, it was a rapid pace. But being in the room, you get to compare the presentation of uh, of all the coaches and all the candidates at that time. And while you don't take a vote, you can just sit back and look and see who's going to rise to the top. And um, as you know, I personally had known Coach Babers when he was a GA at Arizona State with uh, John Cooper, who was our head coach at the time. And um, we all had watched his career, including Mark Coyle and Floyd and myself. And there was no question that he rose to the top. And there's no question uh, he wanted to be here at Syracuse to lead our program at that time. So we look at, you know, Dino and and originally a a six-year deal when Mark Coyle was here. Where... Where do things go now, and, and, and are you involved with that now that, that obviously, you know, Dino is winning. He is doing a lot of great things. His first year beat a top 25 Virginia Tech. His second year beat the reigning national champion and ranked two in the country at the time, Clemson. This year, the team is bowl eligible. They beat another ranked team with NC State. They started off 4-0 for the first time since 1991. So is that already in the back of your mind of, okay, you know, he's our coach and he's under contract, but – in the world we live in today, I'm going to have to sit down with him and kind of see where his head's at. How do you tackle that inside of the athletics department to make sure that the man that has, has brought you so much can continue to do so? Well, the majority of it is in uh, John Wildhack's hands. And uh, I can tell you that John 
has developed a great relationship with Dino, and they talk all the time. And, um, you know, they both want success for Syracuse University. And so uh, let's just hope everything continues on the path that we're on. How hard is it in the year, in, in, in this year, but in general in the world that we live in today, to, you know, find that right coach and then find that right coach that wants to stay and then make sure that that coach stays? How difficult is that in your opinion? Because you've been through so many different walks of life and you've seen college football from so many different angles over time. How difficult is it? To, to find the right guy and then keep the right guy when things seem to change almost every year, even for some of the programs, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and whatnot. How hard is it to, to go through the process in the here and now? Well, it's very hard. And I guess the one, the one program that I would single out is, is Central Florida. And I was watching them play last night against uh, Temple University, which was a very entertaining game. And even though Scott Frost was only there uh, a year or two, he really built the foundation for a program. And it was really, obviously it was easy for him to do because they're still winning, even though he has departed. And I think after last night, that was like 21 games in a row. So as you line yourself up in your Central Florida you know deep down inside you want to keep Scott Frost as long as you can. The problem is you're not a Power 5 school or in a Power 5 conference. So therefore you know the more success he has that people are going to come after him. Not this year. They will next year, the following year, and they're going to keep keep on coming. And the thing is, when it's alma mater, which is University of Nebraska opened, you just knew he was going to go there. And the same thing probably would have happened here. If he would have come here and turned it around very, very quickly, um, and Nebraska opens, he probably would go. It's it's always just got to be the right fit. I mean, look at Nick Saban. He was at LSU. He won a championship. He goes to the pros. Just didn't work out for him in Miami. And then the next thing you know, the Alabama job opens. And prior to him being there, if you remember, Alabama struggled. Uh, they had uh, Gene Stallings. They had DuBose. They were on probation. They had all sorts of things going on. And so Nick knew it that in that great state that there was enough financial backing and everything else. And he knew his personality. And he was able to peak into the Alabama system when he was a head coach at LSU. Uh, Let's look at Harbaugh. Harbaugh was doing well. Um, Took him a while to get started. He was out in San Diego. Then he leaves San Diego. and Then he gets the job at Stanford. At Stanford, he he just has a great job, doing things well. He goes to the pros. Things are totally different. His alma mater job opens up. Boom, he goes to Michigan. So, I mean, those things go on all the time, Dan. And and I can sit here and talk to you about this stuff because in my job, I I have to follow that. I mean, that's, and I think I told you this before, I I have a specific job to do, but it's also my hobby. 
So therefore, I pay attention to everything that's just going on throughout the country in the sport of football. Speaking here with Herm Frazier this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, Senior Deputy Athletics Director at SU. Before I let you go, Herm, uh, to keep with Dino, just what you've seen from him, you meet with him in the room, you, you you get a feel for who he is, you're a part of that committee, that group, that that search party, so to speak, to find the right coach. Now that he's in his third season, and granted, he has more. There's more games to be played, more games to coach. What can you say about what he has done, how he has worked? Because you've been at Syracuse for a while, and you've seen different coaches come through here. What is special about Dino Babers, in your opinion? Well, I think I think he's he's more engaging. And that's not a negative against the other coaches that were here. He's just more engaging uh, with the team, with the fans, with the university. And, um, you know, the last thing that uh, he had to check off the list was also become more engaging with some of the alumni, which is what he's working on now. Um, He will tell you, if you were to ask him what was the toughest thing when he first arrived, and he would say it was, getting into the face of the young men on the team and trying to get them to be focused into his system and also to buy in as to what was going to happen. And I think we saw little glimpses of it when um, we had the victory over Virginia Tech. And then you saw a little bit more of it with Clemson last year. But then we also had a lot of injuries. And I think this year, you know, he started to, well, he's turned the corner and things are working the way we would like to see him to go. And, you know, and Dino's a very engaging person. Um, he's always upbeat. He's always thinking. And he wants what's best for this program. And in, in moving forward and, and seeing this, uh, to, to be where the team is at right now and to do what this team has done, you get to be around these these young men and young women, these these student-athletes, and to look at this football program and, and look at not only the, the team's success but the youth that's come through, the, the Nikeem Johnsons and the Taj Harrises and the Jarvion Howards, the, the true freshmen or the sophomores, the redshirt freshmen like Tommy DeVito – just what the future looks like. And if that gets you excited and that gets you, you know, obviously you're in this season now, but in the back of your mind, are you seeing this build toward consistent success and kind of having some of that excitement, knowing that there's guys like Eric Dungy that have helped to try and lead this program for the last four years and done some good things and set some records and whatnot. And that right behind him is a Tommy DeVito that, there is a future to this thing, and there is obviously good recruiting under Dino Babers. What does that do for you as a fan? Like you said, it's your job. It's also your hobby. It's something that you love. Yeah, I mean, and I think the most important thing is, and I'm glad to hear you talk about Eric Dungey because he now gets the opportunity his senior year to go to a bowl game. And um, one of the things that we talk about in the bowl business is a bowl is a celebration for a team for the success that they've had over the course of the year. And in this particular instance, that's exactly what it is. I mean, this program has not been to a bowl since we went to the Houston bowl and the Houston bowl was our first year in the ACC. And it was a good bowl. It was a good trip. It was, you know, in a great city 
stay in a wonderful hotel. They had many, many activities for the young men to be involved with. And we went in and beat a, a very decent uh, Minnesota team at the time, which were obviously members of the Big Ten. And so now, Dungey becomes the senior as you write the script, and he's now in a bowl. He's got a Tommy DeVito and the rest of the young guys who are gearing up, and, and hopefully as they start their careers, um, and by the time they leave here, they can say that they've been in a bowl every single year that they matriculated here at Arizona at uh, Syracuse University, and I can almost say at Arizona State only because at Arizona State that was our goal. Our goal every year, year in and year out, was to go to some kind of postseason competition. And I was fortunate when I was there to go to two Rose Bowls, um, one with John Cooper, and we defeated Michigan, and one with Bruce Snyder, and we're now playing against John Cooper, who was a coach at Ohio State and our previous coach, and we lost to him on a touchdown. I can remember it right now with uh, Joe Germain and David Boston right at with uh, 90 seconds or so to go on the clock. But those are memories that these young men will have forever in their lives, and let's just hope that this is the beginning of something that they can always cherish. You speak about Arizona State, Herm Frazier here on the line with us right now. There's another Herm in Arizona State right now, and that's Herm Edwards, who is you know came off of being a TV analyst to go and try and lead Arizona State. Your connection to Arizona State and and having another Herm there. First and foremost, do you know Herm Edwards? And then secondly, what do you think about what he's doing with Arizona State? As I know that you know all of our conversations always tend to go back there a little bit. <laughs> well, as you know, I'm I'm an alum of that institution, and then I was able to work in the athletics department there for 21 years. And yes, I have met Herm I mean Herm Edwards, and I told him that he's the second coming of of Herm <laughs> in this great state of Arizona. There's only one Herm Frazier, and so the Herm Edwards has to create his own name and his own legacy. But um, I think when Ray Anderson hired him, it was. Uh, it opened up a lot of eyes, uh, but I think Herm started off pretty good. He um, he had a nice win over Michigan State at home, and then they took a little dip and lost a couple games. But uh, last week he bounced back and beat USC at USC. So let's see what happens in the next couple weeks. And I kind of have my eye on them out of the uh, the rearview mirror to see if uh, hopefully they can get six wins and get some postseason as well. That coming from Herm Frazier. Herm, uh, finally for you in, in closing, uh, two things. And uh, first and foremost, your friendship with Floyd Little. I get to see it, you know, after a game and a post game to see Floyd walk up to you and you guys stand next to each other and, and, and embrace one another and just kind of laugh and talk and pick each other's brain. And it's it's really something special to hear it through through your words, to hear it through Floyd's words. Just what you could say about that friendship, that that you know, love for one another, that brotherhood essentially, and you know, like he told me, he said, and, and I don't know if he said this to you, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. If if he not, then spoiler alert, and this will even it out for him saying that you were in that committee room. So <laughs> he he said uh, he said to me, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, I wish I never left Syracuse. He said, my wife and I, we, we got back to Vegas kind of like, 
wow, we should have thought about this and, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. But I, you know, I, I wish I didn't leave. I, I miss everybody. I miss Herm. So just to speak on your, your friendship with him, your relationship with him. And if he didn't tell you that, well, then there you go. Well, he did tell me that. He tells me all the time. He tells me I'm the guy who pushed him out. So I kind of <laughs> laugh at that one. Nice. But, uh, you know, when I, I first came here, I obviously had heard about him and had read about him. But in August of 2011, we both ended up with our offices right next door to each other. And the friendship that just clicked and we have... Uh, we, we were inseparable when he was here. We talk, we probably even talk now four times a week. Uh, when he received his honorary doctorate from Syracuse, um, Mary Kelly in the athletics director's office and myself behind the scenes put together a, a nice little party and reception for him. And he, he got up and told a story about how he only had one best friend in his life and it was one of the guys who he played with while he was at the Broncos but then when he uh, was leaving he got up and he said now he has two best friends in the whole world and one of them was his former uh, friend I mean his friend from uh, Denver former player and yours truly and it uh, kind of brought a little tear to my eye because Floyd just salt of the earth uh, when he walks around here all the, the new student athletes who uh, who come in contact with him they just can't believe it and, and just this last week one of the young ladies in the um, business office had a uh, a replica of the stadium in uh, Denver and she brought brought it down and put it in my office and I was supposed to get Floyd to sign it. And Floyd was here two days prior to and I forgot to get him to sign it. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> so then I called him and I said, hey, Tina left something down here for you to sign. I need you to sign it. And he was somewhere and he drove over from about 20, 25 minutes away just to come in and sign it because I asked him to do it for that one employee. And that's the, that's the Floyd that I know. And that's, uh, you know, truly special. And I, I couldn't say anything other than that. Floyd Little always doing amazing things, but you as well, Herm. And, and you both treated me with a level of respect that I will always appreciate. My final to you today is that new Carrier Dome. Fans are excited. I'm looking at these renditions and these pictures of it, and it almost looks like a hot air balloon because it's holding essentially that, uh, you know, it, it's holding the the video boards in the middle. So it, to me, you know, you got that open space. You have that, you know, that, that obviously the top of the dome looks. So it almost looks like, you know, it's parachuting down or it's a, it's a hot air balloon. It, it looks cool. It looks innovative and different. What can you tell me about this new dome and, you know, just as much information as you can, as you can throw our way because fans are seeing pictures, but, you know, to hear from, you know, people inside the university goes such, uh, such farther than that. And I know people are very excited about something that opened in 1980 and now it's 2018 and, and they're ready for, for an upgrade. So just what you can tell us about that. 
to be honest, I have not been engaged with it at all, Dan, only because I've just been so busy with everything else. And, you know, I, I hear little, little bits and pieces about it, and I've had to move some football games around on a schedule just so we can accommodate it. But um, to tell you exactly what's going to happen, I have not been involved. I do know that when it is completed, it is going to be much better. People are going to enjoy it. And let's make sure, and that's what I've been focusing on, that our football team continues to be successful so that people will be trying to tear the doors down to get inside it once that construction is completed. And when you um, are moving games around and different things, how does – I know you said you haven't been you know, highly involved with it, but with the scheduling, is that difficult to try and figure out how to navigate because it's going to be – you know, I mean, obviously the dome is, is used a lot and, and pretty much year-round. So how do you navigate through making sure the dome is available, but at the same time you are you got to do what you got to do to upgrade it? Correct. I mean, we – because keep in mind, unlike most places, we play, that's our home for two basketball teams, two lacrosse teams, and football. And so somewhere along the line, things have to get in there to be scheduled. So that's what I've been focusing on more than anything else. And so moving a football game in 2019 or 2020 or whatever, I mean, everything has to fit. And keep in mind, which I'm sure we'll talk about one day as well, that ACC television network is coming into play and we have to be home certain times and they're going to start moving games around where you got to play uh, certain games at certain times and all that's got to fit. So I'm more focused on that aspect of it now. More And John and Pete Sala and those guys are focusing on the don't piece. So will to be continued, which means that we have to have you back on the show, Herman. And, 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 and you know, you know, in all honesty, I I appreciate it. I, I know I've told you this before. You always uh, make it a point to you know shake my hand, bump my fist, whatever it may be when we you know we we see each other somewhere in public. And I just want to thank you for uh, the the appreciation uh, of the work that I'm doing. Hopefully, you know it's it's setting a mark. It's standing out. It's different. But just the level of mutual respect between the two of us. I never knew I was going to know Herm Frazier until I met Herm Frazier, and, and I'm glad that, that Syracuse brought you in. So I want to, you know, personally say thank you if you haven't heard it, you know, from me or haven't heard it enough from me that, that I really appreciate the uh, the way that you treat me. And, and this, you know, bond is something that means a lot to me. So I want to say thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you have a great day, and I'm all dressed up. I got to. Let me see, i got like three more meetings here before we jump on the bus at one thirty and go to airport and go to Wake Forest and try to get that victory. Well, do what you got to do, and, and good luck, God bless, and safe travels. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy, and all the goods to you and your family. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Take care.